to another episode of Beer Field Podcast. You just broke. I am. What's that? You just broke everybody's eardrums. Like I'm looking over. <laughs> I'm here totally at this thing, sorry, people. And it was just 15 seconds of straight <laughs> clipping. This is what this is what you get for putting me in charge. And the sound of the voice that you're hearing is not Mr. Hopper doing the usual hosting of this show. It is me, Dan Theory at Beerfield Theory on Twitter. Doing the hosting of this show. Again, we are the Beerfield Podcast at Beerfield Podcast on Twitter. I am, as always, joined by my esteemed, generally the host, uh, Chris Hopper at Beerfield Hop with two Ps. Hopper, what's up, you buddy? Know, you didn't screw up anybody's Twitter handle, so you might be doing better than me. Although, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I blew out all 27 of our listeners' eardrums simultaneously. So, uh, Ryan, Alex, anybody else? Sorry. <laughs> um, I just didn't feel like it. Honestly, I had a long day at work, knew we were going to do a, a lot of talking, and just, it's Dan's episode idea figured that uh i should share the spotlight a little bit so yeah 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 well good happy to be here <laughs> uh, so, as you guys can see if you're on twitter that we are uh joined by uh two esteemed guests here today you may have saw them on last week's episode you won't see it on we, you won't see it on twitter but you'll see it on youtube you'll see it on youtube but you may you may also try to find a way to see it on, on Spotify, but that's probably not going to work. I forgot so. to change the graphics, so now you're seeing it. <laughs> now you're like, now Jesus you're Christ. It. <laughs> this is what happens when you put me in charge. We all go down here. We're all out of rhythm. We have uh, our boy Ryan, Ryan Miner, at Ryan Miner underscore FFB on Twitter. Ryan, what's up, dude? What's going on, guys? Was it last week? I thought it was like two weeks ago, but it almost feels like yesterday now. It was. I don't know. You're... You're going to become our new Nick, and you might not even know about it. So I was just going to say that. I'm like, what time are we going on again next week so I can show up two minutes after we start? Uh, well, it's, you know, that's generally better than me when I'm waiting for my computer to load up because it's a piece of shit. So. It's true. And, uh, yeah, it's totally true. Like, Hopper gets mad at me, even though sometimes he's late. I'm usually late because of a kid, though. I know. I know. And the other corner of the screen that you may see... For his first debut on the Beerfield Podcast, we have Tyler Posey. This is at Coach T. Posey on Twitter. What's going on, Tyler? Not much, man. Just excited to talk some rookies tonight. Yeah, we're just pumped. So the four of us are part of the Faceoff Network. Shout out to the Faceoff Network. FFaceoff.com. Dot com. Ryan did a... I want QB mock today. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this is our first post mock draft after the actual NFL draft. So we're going to talk about the four round draft that we did, uh, talk about the players that we took, talk about the players that were taken, and kind of give our thoughts on that. But before we jump into that, we got to tell the people what we're drinking. What's fueling beer fuel? Can we just guess what Ryan's drinking? Is it Old Nation? Is it M43? No, it is not. Nope. Nope. I changed it up today. It is a Michigan beer, though. Oh. oh. Well, yeah. you know, lead off. If you're going to be a part of this, lead off. Lead off. All right. Tonight, so. I am drinking Sagatog's Brewing Company's Neopolitan Milk Stout. That is a Ooh. damn good beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, I might as well have a dessert beer, you know? It's like, I got to need something not too heavy, but not too light. Comes in at 6%, and... Actually, quite enjoying it already. It's already half gone. 
Well, you might need another one by the time you get to the second round. So, <laughs> maybe by the time we get to my pick, and I'm at pick two. <laughs> <laughs> Hopper, what are you drinking tonight? All right, I got some finished long drinks. I'm not drinking beer or bourbon or wine for once. This is a new one. Uh, I don't know that we've had uh, pre-mixed cocktails on before. So, finished long drink is a gin with natural grapefruit and juniper berry flavors, traditional syrup, and uh, this is the traditional citrus flavor. It is also available in zero, higher ABV. I think Live Studio audience looked it up, and there was one more flavor this thing comes in. Um, honestly... Decided to buy this after trying to get lit in a schnooks by talking to the guy pouring samples for 30 minutes and just drinking the whole time. And uh, it was going down really smooth. So, yeah, it's a good summer yeah. drink. More midway through the show. Awesome. Tyler, are you drinking anything? I did not bring my drink back here with me. My uh, kids had me distracted, so I jumped on a little late and uh, forgot my drink. Them damn kids. It's all right. Still it's all right. No worries. There might be a break in the show where you can go run and grab it. I, whenever when you I'm feel talking like it. <laughs> talking and we just take too long. I will switch to bourbon about halfway through this, too, because there's no way a 12-ounce can is getting me through this episode. <laughs> and uh, I am drinking again because I totally forgot to get more beer. I'm drinking War Pigs. War Pigs is a collaboration brewery from Three Floyds and McKellar. I am drinking their single top uh ipa here uh this clocks in probably around the seven percent range being that it's a three floyd spear so i, I can't imagine it. it'll be light i don't think it says on here but getting more picks brewing is what we're drinking all right we've been getting more and more uh three floyds here i'm surprised you, you guys a lot of you guys had them down there six months that's interesting i figured they would have uh they would have entered ohio before coming downstate illinois but I yeah, we got not. zombie dust and a couple other ones. Trying to remember uh, gumball head, probably. Yes, and there's like a green can one. Elfic King? No. Uh, Bavarian Haze? It might be. I'll look it up real quick. Okay. While we're talking. Perfect. Well, we're not doing news today because we have a lot of shit to talk about. So we're going to jump right into uh, this rookie mock. Hopper, do you have a drop for this, or are we just going to roll straight into it? Well, I do have an old drop that I don't like very much, but we're going to do it anyway, and it's probably <laughs> going to get taken down by Disney. So, oh, Jesus. Maybe. Maybe. Fantasy mock draft. Hey, guys, look! It's the real Buzz Lightyear! You're mocking me, aren't you? Oh, no, no. Call back all the way to season two. This is season six, so that was approximately 300 episodes ago that is uh that's insane i've not broken that out since either disney please don't you know be easy on us all right so okay. we're gonna i'm gonna quickly read off what's taken in the first round and then we'll kind of give our thoughts on our players and then if we need to talk about anybody else uh maybe we'll give out our favorite pick and least favorite pick and we'll kind of talk about this first round because this is the round that most people are going to be trying to figure out and hone in on want to make sure that they nail their first round because the first round of your rookie drafts like the first one of the nfl draft they can really set you back if you fuck this pick up so hopefully with our soothing voices you will make the correct pick in your rookie draft so 101 with Brees hall you have jameson williams drake london Traylon burks kenneth walker at the 105 sky moore garrett wilson chris Olave at the 108 
George Pickens at the 109, Chris Watson, James Cook, and the round out the first round was Jahan Dotson at the 112. Tyler, it's your first time on the show, man. We got to let the people know you took Drake London to 103. Go ahead and walk spot your pick, bud. Man, I really like London this year. He's a big old uh, tall receiver. Uh, he, he provides a lot of physicality. He's really, really good hands. He had a lot of production there at US, USC. Uh, got offensive player of the year. He only played you know, eight, nine games, what it was, he, before he got hurt for the year. So that just shows you the type of prospect we have here. And, you know, going to the Falcons, uh, there's not a lot of competition for targets really outside of pits. And uh, I really like the ceiling that he can provide us and a big old catch radius. So he's, he's got those jump balls and he's, he's just a really talented player that I really like getting at that 103 spot. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, you really can't go wrong. You know, you know, for me, it's between Burks and London. 1A, 1B doesn't really matter who you go with because they're yeah. both set up very nicely for year one and generally set up pretty nicely, you know, for beyond this season, too. Yeah, I'm a Razorback fan, too. So it kind of hurt me to, to pass up on my boy Burks, but uh, I really like London a lot. Fair enough. All right, Brian, you had one pick. I didn't really have a, a way to go about this. Probably just, just you know, go in order from the actual picks. But you picked 102, you and Jamison Williams. This is uh, might be a hot take for some people, might not be. So why don't you talk about what looks to be your wide receiver one of the draft? It, w- it was actually funny because I actually did write about, you know, what to do at the 102 after Brees Hall because we all kind of have it locked in as Brees Hall is 101 no matter what, right? Yeah. And I was actually, as I wrote the article, I kept thinking, I'm like, I should put James Williams in here because I have him as my wide receiver one. But I never did because I was just like, you know, I was afraid I was going to get flack for it because you know how Reddit is and everyone else. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll just leave it out. And people were like, well, what about James Williams at 102? I'm like, oh, my God. All right. <laughs> let's let's go. Let's go with this. I like, I I understand where people are coming from for like Drake London and like Traylon Burks. I was like, so wide receiver one, wide receiver two for this year because they have easily 100 target upside but like for dynasty like if i'm a rebuilding team if i'm at 102 and i can't rebuild on the fly i'm gonna try to build into the next year or two so going with Jamison williams i feel like he has the upside to do a little bit this year but he's really going to show more in 2023 what he used what he was doing in alabama last two two years before or actually the last year before he tore his acl in the national championship game so i feel that wide receiver one in him will be coming out next year not this year. So I want to be ahead of the curve instead of being behind it. Understandable. I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, it may be a hot take to say that, but I think, I think this class, especially what the NFL told us, it's, uh, it's, it's not too, uh, it, it can't be too far fetched. You know, you, you know, if the actual NFL tells us that there's six receivers that should go in the top 20, we can't be too crazy with how we rank these guys. Cause a lot of quarterbacks, all six of these guys have new quarterbacks in two years, too. So it's not too far-fetched. He may not be my number one, but I understand why people have him there. So, And plus another way to look at it, too, is like, you know, it wasn't just the Lions that traded up to get him. It was other teams are also looking to trade up at that same point to get him at pick 12. So there's more that the NFL knows than what we know. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm hoping to see it this summer. The NFL knows that uh, – they really love Alabama receivers that can run a fourth, you know, a sub four three. So, <laughs> um, we'll start with me. Hopper had the one hundred seven. I had the one hundred six. So we'll we'll uh we'll kick off and we'll try to keep these in order uh, moving forward. I went with Sky Moore at the one hundred six, and I think this is going to cause 
some eyebrows because I took Sky Moore over Garrett Wilson, who Hopper took at at the next pick. And for me, these two, I've been battling back and forth who would be my three and four. Um, Spoiler alert, I do have these two above Jamison Williams, who, who would be my fifth. And for me, is I, I I fell in love with Sky Moore as a prospect. The guy is just I I call him small school Elijah Moore. You know, elite separator, especially at the line. Great hands, um, great athleticism. And while you know playing at a small school is going to come with you know the growing pains of that increased competition, getting the goat landing spot and getting that D two that round two draft capital really, really, you know, helps solidify me in that spot. So I, I, I battle back and forth between him and Wilson. This for me, it's like a three, a three B two. Just, just, I absolutely love them both. And I try not to lean too hard into landing spot as a reason why to prop players up, but, you know, given some of the landing spots, some of the other receivers, it kind of helped me push that up. And again, just really muddles the top six, Top seven receivers for me at the top of this draft. So I uh I'm a okay with taking more at this spot. So Hopper, let's talk about your about your Garrett Wilson pick and maybe we can combine these two together and and see, you know, if we have listeners out there that are trying to make the same decision. Yeah, so I got Garrett Wilson at the one oh seven, which, you know, to me one is a value that that I really, really like. You know, this is a guy who a lot of people had as the one oh one going into the draft. Um, he lands at the Jets, and now I'm getting him as the two, three, four, fifth receiver off the board. Um, you know, not the 101, but the top receiver. Um, and now I'm getting him as the fifth receiver off the board. And, you know, the talent is still there. The talent that you liked about the guy in your pre-draft process is absolutely 100% still there. The thing that people don't like is that he landed with the Jets with Zach Wilson, but what people don't realize about Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson other than, you know, outside of Mac Jones, um, actually perform better than guys that you wouldn't fade people for. And towards the end of the year, especially, was trending upwards. And if you look at the Jets draft, you look at them now and say that, all right, if Zach Wilson is going to succeed, they set him up to do that. And my other, I guess, argument here is that Garrett, Garrett Wilson, his situation is really not all that different from Jamison Williams. Mediocre quarterback, not the only guy that's going to demand targets. Um, the Jets have Elijah Moore. Um, on the Lions, you have TJ Hawkinson and Monra St. Brown that are also going to take some target volume, um, as well as a good receiving back in DeAndre Swift. So, you know, to me, getting Garrett Wilson down there and the talent that um, he had that you liked pre-draft in a situation that you know, I think people are viewing is worse than what it was, I, I'm totally happy to go grab him there. He's got the he's got the speed. It showed on film. He's got solid hands. Route running's good. You know, do we think he'll be a true alpha? Jury's out, right? And outside of Burks and London, there's not a lot of guys in this draft you look at and say two years down the line, three years down the line, they're going to be the top receiver on their team. But there's a lot of guys here that could be damn good too, and I don't think the separation is that. Great from Ryan taking Jamison Williams 102 or me taking Garrett Wilson 107. Love the value. I love that for me to be able to get him there. Um, I see why you would want to go Sky more ahead of him, potentially, especially landing with Patrick Mahomes. 
um, landing with, um, you know, all that Tyreek Hill vacated targets there. His opportunity share is fantastic. Um, and it really comes down to is, you know, do you value the landing spot more or do you value what you your pre-draft work said more? Because Sky Moore was a second-round pick pre-draft. So that's what it really comes down to. Does landing in Kansas City elevate Sky Moore to that point in the first round? Or does Garrett Wilson, who was considered the best wide receiver by a good portion of the community, going into the draft, landing with the Jets, hurt him enough to go below that? Yeah, I mean that's always. I mean that was the that was the internal debate that I had, and I, I uh, funny enough in my you know I I did an actual rookie draft with in one of my only single QB leagues that I have left. I have to think two right now. I took Garrett Wilson over Sky Moore. It just felt I'm like all right. I'm like this team may not compete this year. Mm-hmm. I'll trust the process of the player that I had. And in hopes that he can kind of elevate, right? Because talent's supposed to elevate through, you know, competition. The cream rises to the top, right? So yeah. if Zach Wilson's supposed to reach that's what the Macho Man said. Yeah, that's right. And he's <laughs> never wrong. Um, you know, it, it, and if we're supposed to expect a jump from Zach Wilson, uh, it shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that he has an Elijah Moore type of rookie season. May not be the most productive rookie receiver year one, but He'll do enough to get people hyped going into next year. Sure, I'm gonna do the the host th- not take over not take over for me, but there's something here that's eating at me that we got to talk about. All right, let's do it. And I don't think it's a problem. I just think it's very interesting. It's actually kind of something I I've wondered out loud even on the show. We don't see more, which is uh, rebuilding teams going wide receiver over running back knowing that the shelf life of a wide receiver and the valuation of wide receivers in today's NFL is one high and two on the rise. You're getting three to four years out of a running back. You get, especially with early, early declares at the wide receiver position, eight, nine, 10 years of productivity, you know, you're getting the running backs to trade them because they're a hot commodity, but more and more, especially with the death of the bell cow, you're trying to strike gold in, in this rookie draft. Um, you had, you know, three wide receivers go before Kenneth Walker. And I think for a lot of people, Kenneth Walker has been locked in as the, as the 102, uh, definitely pre-draft. And then he lands in, there's a lot of debate about Seattle on the landing spot. Is it good because of how much they run? Is it bad because of how bad the offense is? But in general, um, you know, what do you guys think about the way, the running backs kind of fell in this first round, especially with that gap between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker when Kenneth Walker's going second in a lot of places. Uh, I agree with you on this one, actually, Hopper. Like, I was actually thinking the same exact thing. It's like, all right, if I'm rebuilding and I know that I'm, I'm not three to four years out or I am three to four years out, why would I take that running back now if I know if by then I'm going to be trading it anyways? So, I, that's what I like to do is I, I'm looking at my teams now looking more like if maybe I should try this wide receiver approach instead of trying to go on the running back approach, because it seems like every time I go back to the running back approach, it's always like I'm kicking the can down another year or two because I need a wide receiver or I'm trying to get another quarterback or I'm trying to get a tight end package deal. And one of my running backs has have to go to make that deal happen. So I could see, I like that idea of just building more off the wide receiver. Cause then I, you have that longevity there of at least, four to five years right off the bat 
before you have that running back where you, we had, by the time you have your team built, you're ready to start drafting those running backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, I kind of played it the same way. I had, have had two rookie drafts already and I, I went wide receiver early knowing that I'm going to get them for longer. I didn't really necessarily need the running backs for those specific leagues anyways, but I wanted the longevity of those wide receivers. And especially with this running back class, I was not a, a huge fan. Uh, obviously right. Hall, I love Hall, but I would just rather take stabs at the running back, maybe in that second, that third round area and strike gold there and, and really hit the the big time receivers in that first round if I could. Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of going with this approach based on what my team looks like. I think the big argument against it, I don't say argument, but the big thing that you can you know, also think about is when you're doing your rookie drafts, like when in the actual months are you doing it and how far out are you from the start of the actual season? Because I think the big conversation then comes, should you be drafting for need over best player available? Because your rosters don't get set week one in May, right? So you know, taking what you think is the best player available should be on your mind and let that, you know, kind of dictate the team that you draft. Cause I, you know, we got a lot of friends. Hopper knows he's, you know, we're in a lot of leagues together and a lot of our league chats are based around that. Like they're trying to fill a need more so than just trying to take the best player. And I, I try to remind people, look, like you don't set your lineup, you know, for week one in May, you're going to make a lot of potential changes throughout that process. So I've been with you guys. I've been, I you know I took Jamar Chase one on one last year in like two or three leagues. Um, I would still go Brees Hall because even if you're still a rebuilding team, you're going to get a lot more from a running back than for a receiver if they're of that same equal tier group. Generally, you will be. So being able to sell off him if I need to recoup some actual value in terms of either future draft picks or for you know actual productive players, you would probably get more for Brees Hall and then any of these receivers in this class. And you would argue before Jamar Chase's breakout that you would get the same amount from a guy like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. This is obviously, you know, preseason, so pre-injury. So it's a great conversation to have because I think we're starting to see that trend kind of shift towards maybe we need to be valuing the wide receivers a little more especially as the NFL are starting to show us that, you know, first year receivers are breaking out. Mm-hmm. Great question. I love it. I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot too. Um, before we jump into the second round, does anybody here want to you know give out or highlight a pick that we didn't talk about, whether it be good or bad? Um, no, I, I personally looking at this, just think that it's not out of the range of outcomes and it makes sense i think you know james cook back into the first is something that we've been seeing lands in buffalo just a lot of people like him and a potentially larger role and with how buffalo uses their backs and to be better than you know devin singletary and um why am i blanking Zach Moss. Zach Moss. I, I would also that, forget that's about why Zach I'm Moss. I don't pretty, believe you. Pretty forgettable. <laughs> Inactive multiple weeks, so yeah. Right. Easy to forget. Um, and then, yeah, I think the only other thing I see up here that jumps out to me a bit is is George Pickens going, you know, up that high to the Steelers. But the people that believe in Pickens really believe in Pickens. So, yeah, yeah I took him at two hundred three in my one of my other drafts. So I mean, one hundred nine is a little bit higher, but yeah. That's the range we've been seeing in our mocks that we that yeah. Brian's runs. They're yeah. on sleeper. It, nothing's egregious here, in my no. opinion. 
No, it's not like your team like uh Tyron uh what's his name? Tyron Davis Price going in like the first round or something. <laughs> San Francisco running back, so right. Well, I've seen someone take Damian Pierce in the top five once. Like not in my rookie drafts, but I've seen screenshot people have posted on Twitter. Pretty sure going that was us the other day. Took took Damian Pierce second overall. Oh, that's right. Ryan posted something. That's right. That's right. I've seen something else too. So I mean, I get the buzz, and we'll you know we'll talk about him here in a minute. So. Uh, well, they had George Pickens also go at one hundred three at one hundred three and won their mocks too. Like ooh. someone showed me the one their draft. It was actual draft. It, he went one one three, and then uh, another superflex league had Desmond Ritter at one five. What? So yeah, there's there's a note to be said here, and I don't know how it falls, but I think that the biggest takeaway here is this: all four go get your guys, but know their ADP. You don't have to go up to one hundred three to get. George Pickens move back to the back end of the first round and get yourself some extra draft capital. Exactly. No, know where they should be going, right? Just cause you like a guy doesn't mean you have to spend their first round, your first round pick on them. You know, maybe in, in situations are situational as we like to point out. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know the guy at one Oh four, you knew liked him a lot too, but I mean, even if just know where these guys are going and know when to move back and move around your rookie draft a bit to position yourself to get who you want. And then if nobody bites, you know, you might really like a guy, but you also kind of have to ask yourself, you know, is he the best player available? And, you know, at the 103, it's hard to say that, you know, Pickens is. Um so I think that's the biggest takeaway from that or guys like Davis Price or whatever is just know that if you like a guy, that's fine, but you can trade back and that's when you do it. So no ADP, FFFaceoff.com and the work that Ryan Miner has been doing. We have a minute max on it too. So you see as high as they've been drafted and as low oh. as they've been drafted. And you can go see how that's going. Yeah. Give you a nice Look range. at you go. Look at you, Ryan. Just put in the extra work to make the people happy. There's no staff of me. <laughs> All right. Are we done with the first round? Anybody else need to highlight anything? Good. All right. Let's Good. move on to the second round. This is the one I think we're going to get the bulk of the conversation from because when I thought about this idea, I looked at this round. I, I brought this up to Hopper, I, I think, last week. I'm like, when we do this show, I think this is going to be the most conversation because of how kind of oof, yeah. oof it was. Like, this is the round oh, where. You know, you want to go get your guys. I get that, but there's a there's like this this draft class had depth to it, just like the actual NFL draft. There's depth to this. A lot of good running backs here. So we're gonna kick off in order here. So Ryan, why don't you talk about? Or sorry, I'll go through the guys real quick. So Rashad White went two hundred one. Then Alex Pierce. Then Damian Pierce. Isaiah Spiller, Hopper's favorite running back, went two hundred four. Tyler Algier. Uh, David Bell, John Madshi, uh Trey McBride at the 108. And then Wandell Robinson, Zamir White, Kenny Pickett, and Kyron Williams rounds out the second round at the 212. Before we talk about the rest of this round, let's talk about the guys we took. Ryan, why don't you wax a little bit about, you know, about Alex Pierce at the 202? Alex Pierce, man, like he is, like as we talked a couple weeks ago last week, I forget what, what it was. I was, I'm super high on him. I see like a Jordy Nelson 2.0 on him, the way he can play. He's not exactly the fastest wide receiver out of the spot or out to the corners like Jordy is, but that 10 to 20 yard run time is freaking nuts. Like he can get in burst right off the line. 
So that's what I liked about him. And then pairing up with um, oh shit, Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, yeah. See, that's what I hate about doing. Like, like I always have all these thoughts going, and then as soon as I start <laughs> seeing the player, I see I'm like. All right, Indianapolis Colts number eleven. Who is that guy? Uh, dude, I just did it too with Zach Moss. <laughs> I'm just like, doesn't matter how long like, you do it, it happens. Uh, yeah, but like pairing him up with Michael Pittman is a good pairing. It's not like you know it's going to take away from Michael Pittman. It's more of a compliment to Michael Pittman because outside of Michael Pittman, there was really no good wide receiver there. Now giving him like an Alex Pierce kind of gives someone to help open up the field for Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman at the same time. So I actually like that. That's why I like him as a nice number two wide receiver for the Colts. I already have shares of it. I may be a little lower, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super low. And talk about Alex Pierce. Talk about his athleticism. Ninetieth uh, percentile, forty-yard dash. Ninety-fifth percentile speed score. Ninety-fourth percentile burst score. This guy is a true and true bigger-bodied deep threat, like we've seen in the NFL. Growing, he's going to have a role. Matt Ryan may not have a big arm to him, but he should be on the field day one, opposite of Michael Pittman. So. You can't go wrong with that pick. No, he's no. he's super athletic. I think the the only reason I question it a little bit is, you know, it's not bad by any means. It's just that, you know, there are a couple guys I think left that, at least in my opinion, have the potential to end up being ones on their team, if at least in the short term, and you know that, you know, Pierce isn't going to be, or yeah, Alec Pierce is not going to be that necessarily, but he is a very nice piece. He's an explosive playmaker. I love the player. The release, like you mentioned, is great. Um, good route runner, going to work downfield. You do also have the quarterback uncertainty there, which is really, that actually is the case for a lot of guys that are left over though. So, you know, it's definitely a get your guy pick. I don't think that this is, you know, I think the second round is, is right for Pierce. And, you know, in all fairness, we were not. I don't think we were pick trading in this no. mock draft. No, so, no. You know, get your guy. It was it just was true, get your, guy, get your guy on this one. And that's what it was. Cause I think real draft and you know, this, you probably could have moved back to, you know, middle of the second round and probably had him still. Yeah. So, I could have probably traded you or Dan on that one. You could have still got him there. Yep. Maybe <laughs> you probably could have, but I don't know if I would have traded up, but it's that's... a solid pick and the opportunities there. And I like the player. All right, we'll go to 203. Tyler, you took Damian Pierce. Yeah, I just, as I was saying earlier, you know, I, I like taking shots on some of these running backs here in this second round area. I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the wide receivers here outside of kind of Mechie, but I, I didn't want to go with him at 203. So I grabbed the running back who I thought might could kind of start early on that I had some possible trade value on in leagues, knowing that some of these guys need running backs. Now, Houston, not very good. I get that, but. Sometimes you just get a starting running back and you, you add some value here. He's not not the fastest guy. He's didn't have a huge workload at Florida. And, but Florida wasn't very good in the first place. So it, it's kind of hard to to kind of see that workload come to fruition, especially, you know, given their offense. Uh, but he was a really good pass blocker. He had 45 receptions there at Florida. And he showed some promise in, in, the, in the receiving game, which is obviously what you're looking for in a lot of the PBR formats. So he just gave me – you know, enough value, I thought, at the 203 to, to go after him, uh, especially given Houston's lack of running back situation, uh, mm-hmm. lack of, I guess, good running back situation. I should say they had plenty of them last year. just weren't very good at all. Uh, but I just thought at 203, I, I'd take a really good stab here at a, a potential RB1. 
And that's what you're looking for here too around this period is you're looking for guys that have the potential to start, um, you know, and that's really in this draft that's Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier have the two best shots at, you know, getting meaningful volume and carries in year one because of their backfield situations. And then, you know, beyond that, you've got the guys that are one injury away. That's going to be the Rashad Whites of the world uh, and the Keontae Ingrams of the world that are both kind of an injury away from being the guy um, projected. And then, you know, you got the guys that are going to be potential committee like, like Beatty. And when really, when you get behind wall and Walker, that's, that's what you're looking at almost in order is who has the potential to start year one and get some, you know, might not be a, a world beater, but at least be good enough to have some trade value or be good enough yeah. to be a long-term RB two. Um, but who has that opportunity? And to me that, I mean, you could go Pierce or Algier there. Right. And I think that you're right either way. And Algier just went two picks later around a guy that I completely don't agree with. We'll talk about him after we get through the rest of this. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, like this is that spot for me. White Pierce, you know, Algier, I would, I would put Spiller at the bottom of that tier, but again, we'll talk about that when we get to the rest of these picks um, as a guy is that, you know, there's a realistic chance that they can be productive, you know, year one. If you don't really believe in the guy, you can move them or, you know, if you're not a championship team, you can move them, to, you know, to have that increased value. I do have a little, I, I love Pierce. I do have a little reserve in guys that can't, you know, command, you know, touches in college at any season being able to command touches in the NFL, but his competition is Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. Like you, you have two career, you know, basically committee backs Mack, you know, coming off of his Achilles, you know, injury a couple of years ago. So Pierce should, should have all the opportunity in the world to at least have a chance at that backfield. So no issue with that pick. Um, the top five of this, before we get to Hopper minds again, white Rashad, white, Rashad, white, Alex Pierce, Damian Pierce, Isaiah Spiller and Tyler Algier. So we had, we had four running backs going in a row. So Hopper and I picked back to back at the six and seven. I took, to, I took David Bell to a six, super shocking. I, I have not been quiet about my love of David Bell and they have a little bit to do with, you know, with him being a, a Debbie darling in an early breakout in his freshman season. But I love the landing spot. I love his opportunity. Um, the fact that I still think he's a good receiver. He just didn't test, you know, particularly well at the combine. It was a pretty, pretty bad effort there. But his role is going to be in the slot. We know that athleticism is overrated for slot receivers. We've seen plenty of those, you know, have their own, you know, breakout guys like, you know, Anquan Bolden, Jarvis Landry. And Keenan Allen. I'm not saying that Bell is going to be these guys. Those guys are all phenomenal route runners, especially Landry and Keenan Allen coming into the NFL. Bell's going to have his workout cut for him, but he has a top five quarterback when he's not being a piece of shit. Um, and he should have that comp- He should have that job secure with uh, Cooper playing the outside flanker role, and then probably then the Browns slipping between uh, Donovan Peoples Jones and. Um, the guy from Texas A&M, Swartz, Anthony hey, Swartz, George. Anthony Swartz. So I do think Bell is going to start. I think Bell is going to have his role by week one. Um, you're going to have to sit through what, whatever suspension Watson gets. And I will trust the guy that I've liked 
you know, since his freshman year, I don't have to get him in the first round. So it's not like in the kill Harry situation. And I will, I will sit and draft him and hope that it all works out to that. So Hopper, you took John Mechie. I like the clumpiest guys. Cause I think the, both these guys are kind of our guys, you know, in the second round. And I want you to have your, your moment to, to talk about Mechie. I think I got Mechie in actually our actual draft too. You did. You um, did. And so my love for Mechie in the second round is basically this. The guy got 95 balls for 1,100 yards and got hurt. So, you know, 96 balls for 1,100 yards and got hurt. So he couldn't test a little bit of a black box prospect. But what it comes down to is when you look at who's available in this round, you know, I talked about Alec Pierce a little bit earlier and how I thought he was never going to be, you know, a one. He was never going to be the the dominant guy, even though he was a nice ancillary piece. And I look at David Bell and, you know, people are, you're concerned about the athletic numbers, um, which, you know, unfortunately for Bell, right. This is why we've said it on the show too. This is why you don't run. This is why you don't test if you're not going to test well, because now the athletic numbers are unknown for David Bell and they're a negative. And yes, you know, you don't need, um, athletic numbers to produce out of the slot but you know typically those guys that don't produce athletically at least the ones that i've watched throughout the years i look at them like okay their route running is really good they separate really well there are things that they do that stand out and i just didn't get that feeling out of david bell so for me metri is my favorite guy in this tier because one his landing spot isn't a place to potentially be the one maybe not year one but i think a lot of people expect houston to be bad again uh, they just cleaned up from Cleveland in the draft pick category. So Houston's in prime position year two to end up with, I don't know, Mackey's college quarterback and Bryce Young or a guy like CJ Stroud. Um, one of the top quarterbacks next year, they're in a prime position to do that. So it's a little bit of a year two play. Um, but, you know, in year one, he's also one injury away from being the guy. Like Nico Collins didn't do a lot with his opportunity. And you've got Brandon Cooks who we all love him. We know he can produce and I can't say we all Ryan and Tyler. I don't know how you feel about him. Dan and I love Brandon cooks. Uh, oh, yeah. Cause all he does is produce wherever he goes, but you know, he's not the long-term answer there. He's not the long-term answer on a rebuilding team. He could be a trade deadline flint for all we know. So Mechie lands in a position where he can be the one. He proved that he has some alpha ability in college. He's not all speed. Like, um, you know, like Jamison Williams, you know, he's not, he, he's a little bit better of a route runner. He was more of like, well, I'll put it this way. He was more of the Ridley to Jamison Williams rugs. And, you know, that's something that I can be completely okay with, even if he's a high end two, getting him middle of the second round because the landing spot's good. The potential to be a one right now is good. The potential to have a huge quarterback upgrade in year two is good. And he's one injury away from getting meaningful targets to see what he can do with them as a rookie. So I'm happy to take that in a second round. And I think the bust potential is less than what it is for a guy like David Bell. It's not saying Bell can't produce, but, you know, yes, we don't have athletic numbers on Mechie. We do have them on Bell. They weren't good. And tape-wise, I just liked Mechie more and I liked what he put together more and you know so he's kind of become a little bit of a my guy just because I think the value has been super good on him Ryan Tyler wow Ryan Tyler you guys have any thoughts on 
on Bell and Mechie before we jump to the rest of these fools? Go ahead, Tyler. Uh, I was a Mechie guy myself, and I, I kind of debated him over uh, Damian Pierce there at that 203. I've, I've liked Mechie all along. Uh, seen him play against Arkansas a couple couple years in a row, you know, playing for Alabama. Thought he kind of stood out there on uh, on the field. And so he was one of my guys that I would absolutely target right there, and I like him a lot more than, you know, David Bell. I kind of faded David Bell in pretty much everything I did this year, but he can still get there too. But I was definitely a Mechie guy. Hey, I agree. Like Mechie has been moving, he's starting to move up in my mind to draft on him because like Brandon Cooks just signed a two-year deal. So like Hopper said, you know, he could be traded for usually like how he is. Cause it seems like Brandon Cooks is like the nickelback of wide receivers. You know, <laughs> you don't want to admit that you like him, but you like him. You know, you don't want to draft him, but you draft him. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like he's he's always reliable, no matter where he goes. I mean, I mean, let's let's not let's not disrespect Brandon Cooks. We've always liked Brandon Cooks. Let's say, uh, hold on. So he's what? He's the creed. He's the creed of a butt rock band. Whoa, 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 whoa! You do not No, no, because uh, Creed and Nickelback are pretty much both universally hated by most people, but everyone secretly has like two or three albums from them. They just don't right. want to admit that they actually enjoy their music. Hold on, you mentioned Creed. I have to see if this is what I think it is. <laughs> I see it. Oh, yeah, it is. I knew I had one in there. Now we're definitely getting copyright claims. Sorry, Scott uh, Stats. So that scaff is so pissed off right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but back to the 201, the Rashad White and uh, Aaron Schill. What do you guys think about that whole thing going on? I like Rashad White just got like he got mad for no reason. And then he was like, oh, man, we're cool. And then everyone ran with it as like Rashad White's like this is a reporter. It's re- <laughs> it's so it's like what the fuck, man. I still love Rashad White. Oh yeah, I would have taken him to somebody, a one. I would have taken him at the one twelve and tell him to stay off Twitter and get and end up with thicker skin. It'll be fine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> look, I, I, I get, we love Rashad White, but you can't, you can't get that upset about a fantasy analyst saying something. He didn't say anything like, bad about him, no, dude. No, that's the funny we, part. Like, especially the thing with Rashad White is like most people love him. I haven't seen anybody really disrespect Rashad White like at all. Period. Like. Yeah, you, you football's your life, and you damn good at football, dude. You keep doing you. <laughs> it's just somebody, somebody will get in his ear and and take care of that. I'm not, I'm not worried. Awesome for Aaron, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I'm not hoping for a Leonard Fournette injury, but, you don't but if the guy wants to roll his ankle and be out for you know for six to seven weeks with a high ankle sprain. Well, that whole thing started Nothing out someone, significant. Someone's saying, like, you know, they see Rashad White as a top 12 RB this year. And then that's when Aaron quote tweeted it, said, we already went through this with Ronald Jones. Like, delusional view or something, you know, like that. Oh. Like, saying, like, basically, Rashad White's not going to be a top 12 running back this year. With well, Fournette there. and no, and well, that's no. not anything yeah. on, on White or even saying he doesn't have a role because he's certainly going to be useful for Tampa Bay. That's just, you know... You've got Leonard Fournette as well, and you're going to have to come in, and you're going to have to earn it. And you know it's good to have the mentality and be competitive and think you're the best, and you're there to start. And 
you should be, you still have to come in and earn that and earn that progressively. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I, I don't hate the take white definitely has top 12 potential long-term just with Fournette there. It's a, a little capped and that's fine. And <laughs> I just find it funny that he shut out Ronald Jones at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because if, if there's ever a moment to shit on Ronald Jones, we fucking take it. So he's, he replaced Ronald Jones. I mean, uh, good on you. Good on. Yeah, love it. All right, we you know we kind of highlighted this uh, when, we, when we brought up Spiller. We gotta we gotta talk about it. Spiller went at the two hundred four as the RB five six. You, you know where I'm. You know five. I'm gonna jump in on this one. Oh, I know. I know. That's why I brought it up. And I'm not sure between Ryan and Tyler, if you guys are big Spiller fans, we do not like Spiller. Hopper really hates Spiller. I am very intrigued by the landing spot, which is the only reason why I'm into Spiller. And that's only because I could trade him when when Austin Eckler inevitably misses a game or two or Spiller, you know, gets like three touchdowns because whatever fucking reason it's going to happen. And then I'm going to trade them because I don't believe in the long-term talent. And I know, you know, you know, with Eckler's age, I think he's 28. It's contracts up after this year. Like there's going to be people talking about Spiller and it's going to be great when he gets replaced again by a running back in the third round. But Ryan Tyler, are, are you guys big Spiller fans at all? I've always liked Spiller. Like okay. beginning, beginning of the whole offseason, I had him as like RB one. Ooh, spicy. Well, that was before, like you know, the yeah. whole Brees Hall and looking more tape, looking at back on that kind of like okay, you know, like I felt like he had higher competition compared to what Brees Hall had to go up against. But like, I like the way he cuts. I like the way he runs. Like he might not be the fastest runner, but when he goes like east west, he can cut north in a in a jiff and run right past right through a linebacker through a safety. So I like the fit with him and the Chargers because Eckler's already said that he doesn't want to be a, that bell cow back. He wants to split the backfield. And to split the backfield, with like, say, an Isaiah Spiller, what, Josh Kelly's still there? And a he couple is. other running backs. So, I mean, so Spiller's going to have to work his way up into the depth chart. And to have him at, what, two? Uh, 204. Two, oh, yeah, 204. I mean, that's not an average kind of where I've been kind of see him going between, like, I mean, I, for some reason, I saw him go at 108, and I don't know why, the other day. Jesus. But I've also seen him go, like, close to the end of the second, too. So, like, this is a good range to kind of get him at, because it's kind of more like a bench running back that you might be able to use as a flex, you know, during the season. Like you say, you know, you have that three-touchdown game, and that could be the week you're flexing him. He has weekly. Like, if, it, if something happens to Eckler, just given the offense the Chargers have in the upside – we don't like Devin Singletary, but we we recognize the offense that he's in and the scoring potential that he has because of the offense that he's in. Spiller's in the same situation, and it's just you're looking for a moment to flip if you take him. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts on Spiller before we let Hopper roast him? Not you, but Spiller. I had Spiller RB2 early on. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wrote him up, and our, our boys at Reddit, you know, like hammered my take on – having a, uh, a 
decent combine. I was trying to, I guess I was trying to be a little too nice because he had a crap combine. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, so the, my guys on Reddit made sure to let me know that. <laughs> I, just, I just trying to be a little nice, but you know, he kind of fell off my rankings with the, the athletic ability going downhill. But, you know, I got to see him a lot, you know, and it, as a Razorback fan in the SEC, a lot of those games down here. And, and I still like the way he ran. Uh, so obviously the, the landing spot, as Ryan said, is a great spot. I mean, that weekly upside is there, you know, Eckler's not been the model of health over his time. So he, he's got that, he's got the weekly upside. And I actually just took him uh, in 205, I believe, in one of my latest drafts. And so as a, a potential flex and like kind of a deeper league, that, you know, I, I don't mind that upside. Not, not my favorite. He wouldn't be RB2 at this point, but still in that 205 range, I, I, will, I would gladly take that. Yeah. Would you rather have, where do you have him ranked? Like I'm on the running backs. Where do you like? Where would you put them? Let's see. One, two. I, I just redid my rankings not too long ago. I can't remember how I had him. I believe I had him at five or okay. six. Okay. Yeah, I, I got pulling up right now. I think that's been pretty. I think that's been pretty common for a lot of people. Like he's moved down to the RB seven, RB eight range for a lot of people. Tell you have him the highest actually out of all of us. You have oh. that four. Oh boy. I have him at Maybe. nine. Maybe I like him a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, I'll go, go back and grab that drink now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe after Hopper talks about him, maybe you'll, you'll, you know, maybe you'll adjust some. Who knows? All right, Hopper, you you sat back, you held your, you held your tongue, you grabbed bourbon for this uh, this epic takedown of of what is and still is a Debbie Darling running back. <laughs> For those who can't, for those who's, who's not watching on YouTube, Hopper just poured a. I don't know what he's. I don't know what bourbon he's drinking, but I'm sure he'll jump in and tell us. That is a uh, Rack House Kitchen Wine and Whiskey St. Louis Bourbon Society Larceny Store Pick. Ooh, one of my favorites. So Spiller was my pre-draft running back 14. Um, <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now he hates them. When he hates a player, he he fucking lets people know that he does. Um, Spiller reminds me of a guy I loved, actually, in in Royce Freeman, and I got burnt by it heavily. And it's the same. And you heard the same shit about Royce Freeman coming out, which was, well, Le'Veon Bell traits and good vision and good change of direction and and gets downhill, and it showed up on tape too. I mean, I had Matt Forte comparisons to to Royce Freeman because of the vision and the change of direction and. You know, what I didn't realize I was missing was exactly what I saw on Spiller and what I saw when I went back and analyzed my process after the Royce Freeman miss, which was that, you know, holes close quick in the NFL. That lack of that patience was not, you know, doesn't work when, you know, you're not running behind a Steelers offensive line that had multiple all pro guards. We saw that with Le'Veon Bell, too, even after he missed a year. You know, he missed a year, but we also saw that LaBelle, who had no success anywhere else other than Pittsburgh, running behind multiple All-Pros. And that's the the guy that people want to use as this is the model of success for Isaiah Spiller. And what it really is to me is those holes don't stay open. You're indecisive. You're not processing the field quickly. So what are you going to do at the next level? It's not all bad. He had good hands. He was a good route runner. He did show some ability in space. 
plus blocker, I think it projects as the way the Bengals are using Samaje Pirine, which is a big-ass third down back, except the Bengals don't really need a third down back, but that's neither here nor there. And here's my other issue with Spiller, and especially where he's going. Eckler's one injury away, right? Um, One injury to Eckler, and Spiller gets his chance, and then you can flip him or do whatever. In this draft, he went ahead of Tyler Algier. He doesn't need an injury to be healthy. Or an injury to be useful. He doesn't need an injury to be healthy. That was a dance <laughs> That's a dancing. What the fuck, man? We really have gone black or uh, freaky Friday over here. Doesn't need an injury to be useful. I'm going to skip over. We're going to talk some guys that went after him, too. Skipping Zamir White and Kyron Williams because they don't like them either. Um, you know, Pierre Strong was in a Patriots backfield where he may just immediately find a role. We don't know. Um, going beyond that, um, You've got a guy like guys like Keontae Ingram and Brian Robinson going in the third round. And guess what? They're one injury away from being useful, too. James Conner isn't a model of health, but Keontae Ingram's going, you know, well behind Spiller. And he's a better prospect with better to in. Well, I can't say better prospect, but better tape and better athletic numbers. And he's going a full freaking round later than Isaiah Spiller is. Why? Why is Spiller going so high? You know, you can like the situation as much as you want. You know who else is one injury away? Brian Robinson. He's one injury away to Antonio Gibson, who's not a model of health, from being productive. Is a really good between-the-tackles runner who also profiled well enough to actually hit some numbers. You know who else profiled well enough to hit some numbers? Royce Freeman. You know who didn't? Isaiah Spiller. Um, You know, I just... Tyler Beatty profiled just as well as some top backs based on productivity in his combine profile and he's in the Ravens backfield who traditionally use a running back by committee he doesn't need an injury to be useful he's going almost two freaking rounds later what are we doing with Isaiah Spiller why is Isaiah Spiller going at the top of the second round it doesn't make any freaking sense to me he didn't test well at the combine sure he was productive in college guess what so is every other guy I just mentioned they're also one injury away, but they ticked athletic boxes. Their film looked better. So y'all can chase Isaiah Spiller as much as you freaking want. I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole. Do you think more people are going after Isaiah Spiller because of the name, and they've heard it so much that... Well, Debbie. Oh, it's Debbie, yeah. yeah. Debbie, yeah. Exactly. He's a Debbie. Like, like, he was... I mean, like this is before they got their, uh, their Olympic speeder to be... Um, to change the pace back, but, he, you know, he broke out he broke it as a freshman. He's been productive every year. He's got, you know, he's got the pass catching profile that you like 8.4% target share in his freshman year. And he finished off it at a 10% target share. So you know that the pass catching role is there. I think people, people want to believe in him. And it's not the numbers guy. Like the crazy part is it's the film guys. The film grinders fucking love him because of what he was able to put on tape. His tape didn't look that good. You know, I, I mean, yeah, say, I can't say I can't say it. I get it. And the reason I get it is because that's how I felt about Royce Freeman. Fires <laughs> remorse. And kind of. Well, yeah, well, it's not even it is, but it isn't right. The biggest mistake you can make is I missed. Why did I miss and not adjust your model? And Royce Freeman's not the only one I had. He's the most prominent one I had that opinion on. There are a couple other guys that I had similar feelings about that were also misses. 
So I got to go back and look at why am I missing? What am I interpreting wrong? What am I watching that I am thinking is a positive that is a negative? And it was exactly that patience right there. And everyone goes back to Le'Veon Bell with that level of patience, but his O-line was so good. He actually had time to sit back there and process and find the hole. Um, that's why Ben had nine seconds to throw every game when the Steelers offense was good. You have to be decisive and get downhill in the NFL, especially because most offensive lines are not all, you know, starting three, all three, all pros or don't fact check that, but you know, multiple, uh, pro bowl starters. Most just aren't doing that. The Steelers in that time period were. The Broncos weren't. We saw how that worked for for Royce Freeman. There's been other guys that have bit that. So it's really not buyer's remorse so much as it is. I went back and looked at the way that I evaluated some of that film and said, okay, what did I miss? And how what I, how is what I'm interpreting as a positive, potentially a negative? And then I overcorrected. And we'll probably end up in the middle somewhere in a couple of years. Right. Well, if you look at it too, like you were saying, like Isaiah Spoh is behind a good line. He was also behind a good line or he's going to be behind a good line, supposedly as of right now, for the Chargers, where if you look at Tyler Algier, who went in the fifth round, who's going to be stuck behind the Atlanta Falcons' bad offensive line, but who has a better opportunity to be that RB1 of the of the. But Algier's field. a straight downhill runner. Yeah. And that's the other difference. He's not, you know, taking the ball and then jump cutting to try to figure out where to go and kind of dancing around behind there and then you know, going five yards downfield and getting tackled. Algiers is a straight downhill runner that has the ability to break tackles, and that comes down to the type of of player. Austin Eckler is super freaking explosive. Isaiah Spiller isn't. So, you know, Justin Jackson was super shifty and super explosive, and that's why he produced whenever Eckler was hurt. That's not Isaiah Spiller's game. You know, he's not joystick-like kind of like those two are. He doesn't have the explosiveness that that Eckler has. You know, in your athletic numbers show that. He doesn't have the explosiveness that Justin Jackson had, and your athletic numbers show that. So, you know, it's probably closer to Joshua Kelly, and the Chargers have a type, right? They spent draft capital on Josh Kelly. Spent draft mm-hmm. capital on Larry Roundtree. Same draft capital as Josh Kelly. Both were fourth-round picks. Larry Roundtree, yeah. I don't think he'll make the team, but Josh Kelly, who, who had a better profile, at least a better athletic profile than, than Spiller. Spiller. I think Spiller will start the year as the RB two, but again, it, it it's a we'll see. But we gotta we, we gotta move on from Spiller because otherwise we just won't stop. There's so, other guys here to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, Tyler. Why don't you give us? Do you have anybody that you really want to talk about that one in the second round that we haven't talked about yet? I got a couple players. I got a couple questionable, you know, picks just based on uh, positional value here. Uh, so looks like Kyron Williams went there at two twelve. I, I believe he's been going the late third round. Mm-hmm. I believe I actually took him in at three twelve as a super in the third round dart throw. So a little, I guess, about a round earlier than I think I've been seeing him at. I mean, the fact that he went before you know Tyrion Davis Price. Who was a day two pick? Who went to a revolving backfield with the Niners, where no one ever retains the starting role because they always get fucking hurt? Like Pierce is a guy that no one really likes, but he's gonna like he's gonna get fucking opportunity, 
And Kyron Williams, who is stuck behind, you know, Darrell Henderson as the pass catching role with the Rams and who also had a historically poor combine. That one to me feels like, you know, Debbie, you know, Debbie Darling, I don't want to come off my pre-draft rankings. Oh, no, but he can beat out Daryl Henderson just like Isaiah Spiller can beat out Josh Kelly, and then he's only one injury away, right? (laughs) Game Akers is coming off an Achilles tear. One injury away. Poor combine. Fuck that. He's one injury away. At least Spiller. At at the top of the second. At least Spiller's got the size. (laughs) <laughs> is it going to be one injury away, away? yeah yep. <laughs> at least henderson's got you know size i mean i know i know josh kelly does too but you know kyron williams yeah he's he was he's undersized he's a scat bat he was smaller and than i thought he was gonna be i think everyone was a bit surprised where he came in so um i'm, I'm gonna run to mine here real quick uh kenny pickett at 211 the fuck are we doing taking a quarterback in a one QB league in this draft? Even is at the back end of the second round. I like, yes, he's athletic, but he's got really no Konami code upside. He, he kind of showed it, but I, I don't think that what his role is going to be. The fact that he has so many weapons that he can utilize in the offense, he's not going to take off and run. The fact is he may not even start week one. He may not start all year. I assume he will. See, like, I think... everyone's assuming that. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see the Steelers doing it like that fast. Well, I mean, it, it's... He's one injury away. Be... <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. Away. <laughs> He's actually, you know, one of the toughest... Yeah, yeah. One of the toughest divisions in football here. Pittsburgh falls behind, you know, you know three or four games. No matter, I don't think it matters how well Trubisky plays because if, if Pittsburgh's playing well... It's really going to be because of Trubisky is going to be a part of that. And if they're struggling to win games, I think it goes hand in hand with that. So I think Pickett at some point will start. I, I just, you know, for fantasy purposes, Pickett's got, I mean, what type of upside are you looking for? And even at pick 20, like these, like even like, like even late first round picks, you got to be careful of. Like, I'm, I, I know Hopper's a Pickett guy. I don't dislike I'm him. I'm not I a just... picket guy at the 211 and a one QB league. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm... an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> that to me sorry was a pretty whoever like... made that pick, but I was like, why are we going like like we can't we can't go quarterbacks inside? Like at least at least shoot for upside. Like if you're gonna go quarterback, just take uh, just take Malik Willis or Dezen Ritter in the fourth round. Was the whole back part of this dr- round just what the a giant pile of what the fuck? I mean, trade yeah. McBride at the two hundred eight. It's a, it's also a pretty big. Head and one tight end, Wandale Robinson at the, you know, that's I guess okay. But I mean, there's in my opinion nothing to like about Wandale, except he had a growth spurt. Apparently, five eleven, five eleven now. And he shrunk to yeah. five eight for the combine, and he's five eleven again somehow. <laughs> um, Zamir White, he's two injuries away, guys. Ah, he's uh, one. Kenyon Drake, uh, no, they're gonna be. Samir White's not a pass catcher. Who Why would he take Kenyon Jake's role? role? He's got to have Jacob's injury. It's like Brian Robinson's not going to take J.D. McKissick's role. Right. And then Kyron Williams. I mean, the back part of this round was just kind of ugly. Ugly. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's understanding positional value. You know, you know it's, I like McBride. He's got a good athletic profile, and he has great numbers. Like, he fits the mold. Oh, I do, too. It's a one tight end league with no premium, though. Why are you taking a tight end? And in the he's not going to start. Yeah, like, like, start. He, like, he won't start. 
Like no. it may take him a few years to even get there. Then they should, should trade for him or pick him up when he gets dropped because somebody's pissed off that he's not producing. So yeah, he's going to be behind the yeah. race to start. So ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't, I just didn't see it. Like I tried to do like a McBride like fantasy outlook when I was trying to like do like his profile and stuff, and I just said screw it, I'm not doing his profile because I couldn't like I couldn't see anything to justify him as like the tight end one of this class. It was just too much to kind of like try to figure out because like yeah he had the yardage he didn't have the touchdowns but then you look at the other tight ends and they're all like right there on top of them it's not like he's really separating from the other ones i get why he had you know round two draft capital 98th percent saw dominator rating like tight ends i mean yes he played for coastal carolina yes you should get that but small school tight ends we you know we almost always love and like i get why he is i like as hopper mentioned this is knowing the league settings like the value of him in a single tight end league with no premiums is pretty minimal because we know how historically tight ends take to reach their breaking point. He's not George Kittle athletic. No. And it's going to take some time for him to get out there. He Maybe he's Dallas Goddard and he gets to learn behind Zach Ertz. Or maybe he takes a few years to get himself prepared and up to speed especially, you know, from the blocking standpoint that he may be asked to do up there in Ari- or down there in Arizona. And, you know, tight end is one of the more difficult positions to transition to from college to pro. So it's, I understand why Mikey would make that pick. I just, to me, I wouldn't. It's just you wait or just trade from in two years. All right. Any other thoughts on round two before we jump into a beer review? No, the picks. no, there's, well, yes. I okay. can't hate on, on Isaiah Spiller without hating on worse Sony Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> well, let Ryan and Hopper fight this one out. The Battle of Zamir White. Zamir White? Yeah. I mean, yes, worse Sony Michelle. Where's hey. Sony Michelle? He's in Miami now. Yeah, no, not where's Sony Michelle. I said worse Sony Michelle. Oh, Zemir, he's not worse Sony Michelle. Zamir White he's is better Sony Michelle. Worse, Sony Michelle. How so? Complete with knee injuries, by the way. Like you got an exact, you got an exact replica. Complete with the knee injuries. Hold on. Um, but his knee injuries are more in high school than right, in his, right before his first year at Georgia. Yeah, both knee injuries. Last year was his left. I think yeah. his freshman year in Georgia was his right. Yeah, I think he, so. Yep. And ACL injuries just look there. They point towards future problems. That's just what the injury people say that are way smarter than me. Chat out Ethan Turner. Um, oh yeah, I'll give them credit. I won't. Oh, yeah, I won't say. Oh no, he's gonna. No, yeah, I mean he's got he's got a little shake. He does get downhill. He had some patience when picking his holes, but I just the ability as a receiver wasn't there. I didn't see the burst on tape. The acceleration didn't have a lot to be desired. He wasn't a great pass blocker, which is going to keep him off the field on third down. And, you know, his path also with, you know, landing spot wise, right? Yes. Josh Jacobs is probably not long for, for Vegas. We don't know who is. And then, you know, Kenyon Drake locked into the, the receiving role. You're immediately blocked. You're one. And we've already talked about running backs having a short shelf life. It's just not, it's, it's not film. It's not a profile that I can necessarily get behind. I know why people like Samir White. I get it. You know, 
thank God people don't like him as much as they like Sony Michelle, right? When remember when Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb was a debate? But at least Sony uh, Michelle was a first round pick. Sony Michelle was a, a bad one, but at least he was one. Yeah. So you just end up kind of blocked on his path to work year one, and we know how much running back turnover does does happen. Um the Raiders have completely misused Josh Jacobs, and I don't think that the profile difference there is huge between Zamir White and Josh Jacobs. I actually think Jacobs was a better prospect, and they still have managed to misuse him and make him barely productive. Um, and like I said, it was just, you know, what do you do in the open field? I didn't see the acceleration. I didn't see the burst. I didn't see the receiving ability. It was more just this is a between-the-tackles grinder, and that's fine for somebody that's going to be a depth guy or a career backup. You know, I just the potential upside to me on Zamir White when I saw him was just totally lacking. No, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Like, he didn't have the, the passing upside, but that's how Georgia always runs their back. They always have the one who's always, like, the first down, first second down back, and then they have the second one who's more of the pass-catching back. Which was that's how they had James Cook in the backfield along with Samir White, and yeah, that's that was one thing I had was, was his biggest downfall was catching out of the backfield. But he did have a few catches out of the backfield too. But I did like what I did. I actually did watch his tape, and I did like what he had because the way he was he was patient. He would be able to burst through that line, so he, like he would actually get low enough where he's like if you didn't if the defender did get low enough to tackle him, he was going to blow right through him. That's what I liked about him. And then, uh, if it, and then also, like, if the plays weren't there, like, if he was running and he had to like, cut in, and also like, he sees the safety cutting up, he was able to bounce it outside and not try to outrun him. Yeah, he might not be able to exactly outrun him, but he at least could be able to turn a two yard play into a five or six yard. So that's kind of what I liked about him. Was, like, he had the vision to see it, to bounce and say, all right, this is where I need to go. But and I did have, I did have him marked down for plus vision. Um, you know, I did, I did see that as well. That the division was there. This Dan, this isn't as much of a fight as Isaiah Spiller was. I no, weird. It wasn't going to be a fight. Yeah, no. no. And, and I know it's, it, a, it's a secret handshake. This is more about how you value <laughs> certain things in a player. Yeah. Um, and to me, when I get down into in certain situations, right? And for me, I want the path. If I can't get somebody that's one injury away, um, you know, if I can't get somebody that's got a clear path, you're one. Then I want to go RBBC, and I want somebody that has the pass catching ability, especially since most with most leagues being PPR. If you're going to get limited work, then let's try to boost that with some receiving ability. So it's just about how you value, evaluate and value certain things more so with with White. I see the plus vision. I see why you would like him as a pure runner, as a guy that doesn't take negative plays because he doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just. For me, I worry a bit about the utilization and without the receiving ability and without the explosiveness, how much is he going to be able to do in a limited role, especially your one? Is he going to be able to show enough to make them commit to him year two or, you know, potentially look back towards Jacobs, look into the draft, look to bring somebody else, you know, in potentially or go full RBBC um, after this year. And that's kind of where I end up with, with Zamir White. It's just, if you're going to be in a limited role, you've got to be able to do enough either from the explosiveness perspective or receiving perspective in that limited role to be fantasy relevant. So he's like okay. a junior Nick Chubb in a way. <laughs> well, he's yeah, he's about 20 more pounds more. lighter than Nick Chubb, but Except yeah, Nick Chubb was more good. of a pure runner. Yeah. I mean, so I'll make this real quick and then we'll wrap up with Samir white here. Look, I'm really happy that he was able to be 
to show his line speed. Like he was able to fully recover from his ACL injuries. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic to see the dude bounce back. He was a five-star recruit coming out of, of high school. He was supposed to be the next great Georgia back after Chubb, after Michelle, and after uh, DeAndre Swift. And, and what he went through, fucking tragic. But he doesn't catch passes. He got round, round four draft capital, so day three. And the Raiders have continuously misused their running backs, dating back for forever. I have no interest in Zimmer Wagner. It's not because I don't think he's good or bad at football. It's because he's with the fucking Raiders. And I, I, and I understand you, don't want, you know, don't want to scout the team, but this is a team that's about to lose Josh Jacobs. He didn't pick up his fifth-year option that has, has continuously made mistakes within their draft picks. And we don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to do with this backfield. I'm going to say I am fine missing out on White if he breaks out, but I, I, I'm not there. Doesn't catch passes. He's in a committee and day three draft capital. Like he's someone that if he pops off, just like Spiller, and and to me, just like uh, Tyler Algier and potentially Damon Pierce, I'm moving off of these guys because they're more than likely going to get replaced more than not than 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 hitting even one productive fantasy season, better alone multiple ones. So that's how I generally operate when it comes, you know, to day three running backs is I just lean into the historical hit rates of these guys. And and if they do, you know, produce, I'll either ride it out one year or I'll move on from them. So mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's wrap up round two. Let's go to a beer review. Beer review. Ryan, Saka Tuck, Neapolitan Soap. That's really good. I mean, it doesn't taste exactly Neapolitan, but I taste more of the vanilla than anything. It's supposed to taste like, you know, the chocolate vanilla strawberry, but I just keep pulling the vanilla out of it. So it's still pretty good. Not bad for a nightcap. Have you had the the white stout version of that? No, is it really good? Uh, It's all right. You get more of the strawberry out of that one. Oh, really? Maybe the vanilla. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's still kind of the same thing. You don't pull all three flavors, but you get more of the strawberry out of it than anything. I think that was a limited run, but it was. I mean, kind of. I mean, I saw some some wide distribution, but it, it wasn't nearly as popular. Uh, the barrel day version, the barrel aged version, to me is significantly better because I think the base is too sweet. Yeah, it, it it comes off as too artificial. Strawberry is a very difficult fruit to work with in beers, as I'm sure Hopper knows. It's very difficult to pull strawberry. You know, out of flavors when you're especially in a dark beer, and especially in a dark beer, where you have to worry about the malt backbone and then you're adding vanilla to it and just adding in the extra sweetness. It's just to me, it tastes too artificial, more so. I'm not sure if they use any puree or anything, you know, or anything in there to gain that, but I like socket tuck. That one I, 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 I typically stay away from because it's too sweet for me. I thought, did you grab a beer or, 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 or. You're still, you know, drinking air at that point. I'm just air. I'm all air. <laughs> Hopper, do you remember? Or do you want to just give your thoughts on the bourbon? No, I saved I saved the last bit of this. Okay, okay. I'm a pro at this now. I know to keep the last drink. That's why You've I, done we've done this for three hundred and eighty eight episodes. Isaiah Spiller made it, it for a great dramatic reason for me to pour bourbon, but I also <laughs> did it to preserve the last drink of this. 
Um, yeah, so one thing I'm picking up out of this that I didn't pick up beforehand is I actually do get some of the gin notes, but it's all of the floral notes and none of the pine tree notes that I don't that I don't necessarily like about them, but I can definitely smell that, especially as it got warmer. Can definitely taste that up front, but the back end of it is just straight squirt. I mean it's all it's all citrus drink. The grapefruit pops out. The juniper is definitely what some of the uh, herbal aroma comes from. Um, I don't really get the berry, but I mean, it's basically like if you mix gin with squirt. I mean, it smells pleasant. It tastes pleasant. It's great on a hot day. It should be widely distributed. So again, this is uh, the Finnish long drink. Um, it's a blue can, like Panther's blue can. Um but yeah, super refreshing. That's kind of why I grabbed it just for, I knew I was going to be outside a lot for a couple of weeks. This is a drink. I would drink disc golfing. I drink it on a family picnic on mother's day. So disc golfer. Oh yeah. Both we're huge. Yeah. Both of us. Are you hey, disc golfer, Tyler? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah. We will man. talk about disc golf dude, after the show. It, we were actually in the middle of a disc. We were actually in a disc golf talk when Ryan came on. Oh wow, man! I missed the good stuff, man. Awesome. All right, <laughs> yeah. Fuck fantasy football. Yeah. <laughs> this is now become a disc golf episode. We'll see you guys later. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Again, I drink. Uh, or, or you want to give your bourbon? You want to wait? I'll go ahead and give the bourbon. I wasn't okay. really planning on doing a review on it, but I mean, this is a larceny single to, barrel. No, I'll do it. It's a larceny okay. single barrel pick. Uh, larceny did discontinue their single barrel program. Um, well, Evan Hill discontinued larceny single barrel program. There are a lot of people that couldn't tell the difference. I've got six of these back on my shelf because there were six of good, such a good value um, that I can tell you tasting them side by side. They don't all taste the same. Um, yeah. On the nose. Um, so Larceny is a weeded bourbon. It checks in at 92 per So you can think of it as like uh, uh, easier to find while there's special reserve if you're looking for the regular thing. On the nose, it's... Light caramel, little bit of citrus. Um, there is a little bit of graininess to it, um, which can typically signify it's a little younger. It's Heaven Hill, though, so it's probably in the four to six year range. It's a, well, single barrel pick, so not bland, but. On the mouth, um, yeah, just lightly sweet. Kind of some vanilla wafer notes to it. Again, just a little bit of citrusy notes out of the. Out of the grain, it does have a little bit of a of an alcohol kick there on the back end, so runs a little bit on the thin and oily side. It is one of the better larceny picks I have. Um, typically, I grab these when I would just want something lower proof to drink, and I don't really feel like drinking a lot of the higher proof stuff that's back over my shoulder. So, something I recommend to a lot of people as a starter bourbon, just because weed is sweeter, um, and this is definitely a, a sweeter leaning bourbon um, that it's not super harsh, lower proof, easier drinking. So. Yeah, you know, again, wasn't really prepped or primed to do a bourbon review. If I was gonna do knew I was gonna do a bourbon review, I probably would have done it before the gin because I'm sure that the um <laughs> that the notes on that drink probably tempered a lot of what I'd normally get out of this. But yeah, just something I'd recommend as a starter. I think Larceny again, the single barrels you can't get anymore, but this regular small batch version is like twenty seven dollars and you can get it most places. That was actually the first bourbon I purchased was a regular small batch Larceny. And I've gone through a few bottles since. So it's really good. It's like I said, combination of sweet. There's a little bit of some earthy tones to it. It's just a really good balance. And one of my favorite starter drinks. Speaking of earthy tones, 
I had from War Picks Brewing. I had last right. This is their single hop or their their single IPA on the website. They don't list what hops or hops hops they use. Um, it's coming in at seven and a half percent, seventy RBU. It's it's a very balanced IPA. You know, malt forward significantly with the bitter lingeringness from uh, you know from from the aftertaste. Um, I get a, I get a little more. Earthy notes to mine. The website says you should get bright and citrusy. Um, I, I, I'm a pretty stickler for uh, for candidates, especially for my IPAs. And this one came out, looks like, a potentially April of 22. So not 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 obviously fairly old for the uh, you know for the hops to fall off from there. But again, War Pigs is a uh, collaboration of Three Floyds and McKellar. Um, two of the more prestige and sought after breweries here out in the world. So they're going to make great beers. Floyd's is known for their heavy beers. They, you know, they typically go, you know, go for the bold, the bold IPUs and then the, the extremely high and strong uh, percentages. So if you get a chance to see these guys out in the wild, I highly recommend picking one of these up before they're all gone. So, all right, let's uh, we'll jump into the third round. Let's, kind of speed this up here a little bit. Uh, uh, Pierre Schron, uh, Taryn Davis Price, Jalen Tolbert, Romeo Dobbs, Kilo Shakir was uh, your 301 through 305. Conte Ingram, Brian Robertson Jr., Danny Gray, uh, Jelani Woods, Tyquan Thornton, Cade Hodden, and Tyler Batty how did rounded you, out. How did you get Hodden? I don't know. There's no H and no Ds. I said hot tin. I didn't use a D. God damn it. It was a fucking stutter. <laughs> hot tin? Houghton. Houghton. Cool whip. Houghton. Cool whip. Cool whip. Houghton. Houghton. And Tyler Batty, 312, rounded out our Beatty. I always wanted to say Batty because he's such a badass. Yeah, I know. Badass. I didn't want to say bad player because that's totally, you know, false. But like, he's bad because he's cool. Um, Because, you know, super boomer here. So, uh, Ryan, Ryan, you went TDP. When you talk about. uh, quickly, why you like uh, Tyrion Davis Price here to throw two? I picked him at three or two because I feel like he has the highest upside as a running back here at this point in the draft. Where we've already talked about it earlier, where San Francisco never seems to have the same running back over and over again year after year. So he's not one injury away, he's not two, he's probably three or four injuries away. So by week nine, he should probably be on the field. He's the RB2, dude. You think so? Jamichael Hasty. And Jeff Wilson are not going to hold back. And are not, I'm sorry, Trey Sermon, who's even probably worse than those two. Price should be the RB2 to start the year. He might even he might even come out the gate. Right, exactly. That's that's another thing, too, is he might come out the gate. But again, here at the third round, you know, it, it could be the steal right now to have a running back who is starting week one. Who can He's, actually keep, keep moving up. Because he's actually starting to move up a little bit in drafts, too. He's starting to push to the end of the second also. <laughs> Well, I've been taking them mid to late second as, as much as possible. Yeah. I, I have a lot of uh, TDP. So, uh, Tyler, you win Jalen Tolbert. I think everyone in the show absolutely loves him. So, why don't you give your thoughts real quick? Yeah, he has a really good athletic ability. You know, I, I, the questions, you know, being from a small school, they don't, they don't really concern me at all. I, we've seen it time again where these producers just going to produce, man. Just, you're a good player. He's going to be a good player. Uh, he, he's, Really good on the deep ball. He only ran a four four nine, so he wasn't just blazingly fast. But he just made really good adjustments and was able to to go high point balls and uh, make some good catches. And you know, on a 
the Dallas offense where, you know, he might start the year wide, wide receiver two. I, yeah. I, I, depending on how far Gallup is removed from that injury. And now Schultz could probably, probably have the second most targets, but you know, he's, he'll have a good start of the year and he's on a great offense. And I love the athletic ability. Jalen Tolbert's one of my favorites. I'm going to just go ahead and jump in here because anytime oh, yeah. you get a chance to wax poetic about Tolbert, you know, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, like you mentioned landing in Dallas, even, you know, when Gallup comes back, they've shown they can support three receivers. They're yep. throwing 600 plus times a year. So they absolutely can support that. Tolbert, I thought had nice use of his body. He did some NBA esque type of roles and things to get open things. I've never seen a wide receiver do, which I thought was kind of unique. He had some very unique ways of get, getting open. Um, the agility and the speed looked easy. He won contested balls. Well, route running was solid. Um, yeah, he's got all the makings to be um, a receiver. I had him uh, higher than Jahan Dotson, who I, you know, kind of for whatever reason, just clumped those two together. Oh, the reason I clumped those two together is they're the only two that scored perfect in my gate one metric. And my gate one metric, for those that haven't been following along or are new to this, um, gate one is basically where I put all of your statistical metrics. I've got a database that's 10 years of... NFL players um, that's kind of baseline to this is what you need to hit to have a level of success in the NFL. Jahan Dotson and um, Jalen Tolbert are the only two that hit perfect on, on all of those. And you don't have to hit perfect for, you know, it to be a plus, but they both hit perfect. Um, and I honestly like Tolbert's film more um, and the combine scored a little bit better honestly from the way that i evaluate people so you know i absolutely love tolbert wherever you can get him from the second getting a full round discount over over dodson as well you are exactly so and and a very high volume offense that you know just sent their three off to cleveland (laughs) i can't i i i hope that they move him inside and they put cd outside um, I absolutely love Tolbert. I mean, I think he'll be fine on both. Yes, the athleticism to play on the outside. Best comparable on playerprofile.com is Adam Thielen, which is why I really want to see him operate out of that slot. CD Lamb was productive from there his first two years, and now he can kind of he can move Lamb into Cooper's role and let Tolbert operate out, you know, from the slot with James with James Washington operating on the outside with 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 Gallup likely to start the year in the pup list. So Love Tolbert. I've been I've been mopping him up as much as I possibly can. Absolutely love the prospect. Uh, that should be me. Uh, I went I went Keontae Ingram here at the you know, at the three hundred six. Hopper and I absolutely fucking love Ingram. I've been loving Ingram since my Debbie days. He was replaced in Texas by one of the greatest running back prospects to come out of high school. It's not his fucking fault he had the transfer. He's got size. He's got the production profile. He's got the pass catching profile, the all purpose profile, which is everything that we love. And he landed into a one injury away in Arizona behind one of the most injury prone running backs in all of football the past three years. He's better than Eno Benjamin. They both have similar draft capital, but you you want to go, you want to lean with the more recent player there. He should be able to, he should be able to take that spot as early as. As uh, you know, as preseason, so give me all the Conte Ingram as I possibly can get. Topper, I know you really want to say your piece, so go ahead and. I just no. The only thing I want to add on Ingram because you covered most of it is just that 
The other thing to keep in mind about Arizona specifically is that the way that they protected James Conner was not using him as a bell cow because they had Chase Edmonds, and I expect Keontae Ingram, as long as Conner's healthy, to fall into that Chase Edmonds role, which has standalone value as an RB2 or flex in year one. Unlike Isaiah Spiller, who needs something to happen to Austin Eckler. So, <laughs> you know, just you're right, and, and you're absolutely right. The only flaw with Keontae Ingram having to transfer is that he's not Bijan Robinson, and who is? And he was so productive with USC. I, I think yeah. he put up his best statistical season with USC in there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and that's with DJ Ugalele not doing jolly jack shit. So. <laughs> All right, Hopper, you win Brian Robinson Jr. at the 207. I have a little... Was that the right I'm a little that? mixed feelings. Or I'm sorry, 307, sorry. I have a little mixed feelings on, on him and what his role could be, but 307 is a spot where like you can't be... like You're just taking the guys that you think are going to find production potentially. Yeah, and this is interesting because I wanted to go Beatty and then I got reminded that Robinson was still there. Um, he's one injury away, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's the fucking show. theme of this show. What injury away? That should be the title of the show, actually. Hey, Brian, there's a there's a new team name for you. One injury yeah. away. Yeah. One that's... one injury away. Make it. You know where you got to change that at. Now. That's my new article. I'm just gonna go ahead and claim that one. One injury away team. You know what? Do it. Do it. I I'm all for that. But no, Brian Robinson is a really good between the tackles runner is what I saw and liked that about him. He was violent. He absorbed hits, almost never went down on the first attempt. Plus, plus vision. Slovis, by the way, not Ugalele. I had the wrong quarterback there. Sorry. I was going to feel bad if I didn't correct that. For You're right. USC. I know. Yes. I was wrong. <laughs> I'm right that I was wrong. <laughs> anyway, Brian Robinson is a violent runner. I thought he had plus vision. Uh, footwork and cutback and direction change are all well above average. He can do both without a massive loss of speed, and he doesn't have to wait a ton to do it, which I think was the biggest difference between him and Isaiah Spiller. I'm not going to let go of this. Um, is that Robinson showed all those traits, but he didn't have to think about it for very long as a runner. Gets up to speed quick, stout blocking, created chunk plays, and he was very, very smooth in everything that he did. He didn't have the top end speed. He wasn't used in the passing game. That's okay. Washington has a pass catching back in J.D. McKissick. Antonio Gibson has not been a model of health. I don't expect Robinson to have a lot of value while Gibson's healthy. But Gibson is one of those backs who has not shown the ability to stay healthy. Um, Gibson is also the second year, third year back now. Third. Third. Yeah. So he's about to enter, you know, he's coming towards the end of where he's at to where if Robinson can show the ability to be productive, can show the ability to have that pinch hit to work and pinch hit duty, he could be in line a couple years from now. Um, just a prospect that I, that I, really really enjoyed um you know i like Beatty more but this has also come down to the point of you know understand where people are being drafted you're not typically trying to move back in round three but i knew that you know Beatty, there was a chance with him still hanging out that he could fall a little further um so i mean those are the two i was really between here 
But, you know, Robinson's just a, a little bit closer, I think, to productivity. And I had him rated, you know, a little higher from a film perspective than what I did Beatty. And especially as a runner, there's no real comparison. I think my one concern is, is it, it's it's like even if Gibson gets hurt, like he's it's not he's not in line to catch passes. You have a poor offense that's going to struggle to score points, especially with once as your fucking quarterback or Sam Howell. If one sucks um, for him to score touchdowns, cause he's not going to get the pass catching work to boost you there, but he's got a great, he's got a great athletic profile. 8.1% college target shares a yeah. uh, 63rd percentile. That's respectable. The guy, well, the guy in his range of outcomes could actually become, you know, Gibson light in that role. Well, my other thing is, is that when you look at who's left, right? I mean, other than Beatty with the Ravens value right out of their back, yes. right? It's like, who is in line to, you know, be a solid runner and catch passes? Well, I mean, nobody. Hassan Haskins in the fourth round is a straight runner. Isaiah Pacheco is a straight scat back. Um, Pierre Strong. Which you mean Darwin Thompson? Yeah, right. And Pierre <laughs> Strong is going to primarily also work outside of the tackle boxes and he's super explosive but doesn't show the same level of elite on film traits so when you look at you know who's left here right i mean Beatty was really the only other choice and that's kind of just a tale of two different things do you prefer the running back by committee or the guy that's one injury away do you prefer the guy that shows more ability as a as a receiver and runs a bunch of routes or the guy that's a, a straight just violent runner especially washington who's going to want to run the football right now um where that could develop into a one-two punch if they want to up the volume on that front yeah and they might because i i believe um i believe homeboy out there wanted to wanted to emulate the um the jonathan stewart and d'angelo william years exactly which how do you do that? You get two good backs that can carry to the ball 200 times and you're going to run 400 times. And Carson Wentz is a good, then you put Carson Wentz in game manager mode. Yeah. All right. Ryan, Tyler, you guys have anybody in this third round that you, you have to, you have to talk about both good and bad or good or bad, I guess. Did we kill Not him? Really. I do. Yeah. Oh, I mean, right. I'll mention Dobbs, I guess. I kind of. Go ahead. I, I've, I don't know. I've kind of recently got it into looking, you know, more into uh, some of his stuff at Nevada. And it kind of intrigues me a little bit with. Because, I mean, Christian Watson, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what he's going to bring. He's pretty fast. He, he's shown some good stuff. But why can't it be Dobbs at a few rounds discount? I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just a, what if, I mean, it's not, it's not as obviously not sure if our prospect, but he's interesting. He was, he was productive at Nevada. So just somebody I've kind of took, taken stabs at lately. lately. Hey, do you see that as like the deeps out there for in green Bay? Cause that's kind of like how he was. He's, so like he's fucking his profile, his athletic profile is fucking awful. It's not good. It's not <laughs> going to be him not good at all. It'll be the other guy. I mean, it's going to be Watson plus, right? Watson's going to have to be the deep threat, and you got Lazard as your big outside guy. And Dobbs is a Jordy Nelson. Maybe, maybe Jordy Nelson was quick. It was kind of quick. Maybe I don't know. Equinemia St. Brown. Well, no, St. Brown was also fast. (laughs) It's going to be. 
I don't know. 62204. I mean, I guess he's got big slot potential. They need Listen, a slot guy. I mean, you know, Mari Rogers is more of like a gadget you know, guy. special team gadget kind of guy. So you do need a slot guy. And I don't, you know, you're not running Watson that I mean, they're all big, right? Watson's big. Lazard's big. Who's the other guy they got in the seventh round? Ryan, do you know? Uh, you know. Samir Tourier? Yeah. Is that his name? I think that's who it was. I'm going to pull up the death chart. Hopper, why don't you talk about Akil Shakir? Because I know you and I both want to talk about Actually, him. I was talk, well, we do. I was going to talk Beatty and leave Shakir for you. Okay, that works too. They want to talk. I like Shakir, but you know I got to wax about Beatty a little bit. So you got to wax about Beatty. I'll just build on what you say about Shakir. So Tyler Beatty, um, you know, what I want to point out about Beatty first off is how he profiled. Just when I look at the film score, uh, he came in ahead of James Cook for me. He came in ahead of Damian Pierce for me. Um, and, you know, ahead of guys like Keontae Ingram, Tyler Algie, or guys that have all gone ahead of him, uh, Isaiah Spiller, Kyron Williams, you know, just Zamir White. He, he, his film score to me was better than, than all of those guys. He was a strong runner that bounced off tackles. He played bigger than he is. He had the vision. He could get skinny at the line, good leg churn. He ran a lot of routes and he had just a subtle twitch. Um, that was good enough to have to to make guys miss without losing momentum. And he's playing in the SEC. It's not like he's playing weak competition. He's an SEC back. You know, if you put Tyler Beatty at Alabama with the productivity he had last year, he's a second round pick. But he played for Mizzou. Um, building on that is I look at the rest of how he profiled for me just. Pre-draft, his gate 1% came in at 83.33. That's tied um, for, or no, that's not tied for second. That is standalone second as far as his productivity profile goes. Um, For his career, that's boosted by a lot of receiving numbers, but he had a huge final season. Um, You know, went for over 1,000 yards on the ground, showed that he could do have bell cow type touches, and actually produce with that again against SEC competition. The only person that had a better production profile than Tyler Beatty was Brees Hall. And then when you get to the combine metrics, he also hit 83.33. Um, that's tied for first uh, based on what you want to see out of running back with Brees Hall, with Kenneth Walker, with Rashad White. So, you know, you got a guy that's checking boxes much, much higher than people that were drafted ahead of him. He landed in Baltimore, which will use a running back by committee. And you've seen Gus Edwards be productive there. J.K. Dobbins not be able to stay healthy. Justice Hill not be able to stay healthy. Um, You know, Tyson Williams was getting hyped last year, right? Because Baltimore just produces running backs that can, well, produce. Um, and it doesn't matter if he's not used as a pass catcher because the guy can run. I mean, Beatty's a guy that I think should be going at least a half round higher than what he's being valued, especially based on all of you know his his combine, his college productivity, um, and what I saw in film. So, you know, Tyler Beatty at the end of the third round to me is an absolute steal. Um. Again, RBBC up front, which means he could not guaranteed to be, but absolutely could be productive in year one and doesn't even need an injury to do it because of how Baltimore uses their backfield. 
Yeah, I love Beatty. Um, I wish it wasn't six round. You know, I wish it was to a spot that one of the utilizes his best skill set, you know, you know, as a pass catcher, as a player in space. Um, you know, justice. So this this points to me that Justice Hill probably isn't gonna be ready or could just be flat out cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect them to have a role. I don't know how much of a role, but again, late third round. You're just you're just shooting, you know, you're just shooting for the stars there. And why not go for a guy who is who's a lot of people's uh favorite uh favorite sleeper pick pre-draft. Uh, Killer Shakir is mine. Cause uh you don't join a beer, like you don't listen to a beer field podcast second rookies if you don't talk Killer Shakir. Uh fifth round draft capital for the Buffalo Bills. He's gonna land probably behind Jamison Crowder as a backup slot receiver, probably also backing up digs in that flanker role. Shakir did play. He did take just 32% of his snaps out of the slot last year. So he's not just a glorified slot receiver, but you have a golden Tate S type of profile. Um, the fact that he could be something more than just a slot guy, is just going to give you the upside there. You're going to need a Crowder injury more than likely for him to get to that spot. Crowder's, Miss multiple games nearly every year. He's a target guy, so it's going to take a minute. But Shakir's got the upside on the right offense. And I love him more than Gabe Davis because we're not going to go through this episode without mentioning Gabe Davis. God damn it. So, um, Shakir is somebody that you should be gobbling up in the third round if you have the chance. Maybe even trading for him in the middle of the season. When he's playing behind Jamison Crowder, I'll trade for him after this year. After he's played behind Jamison Crowder, because Shakir's a guy that you need to be patient on. But I think you're going to be rewarded for that way. I would, I would do it in season. I would. I think his value is going to rise when Crowder's gone after this year. I would, I would do it as soon as you can. This is why you should be taking, you, you know, you should be taking him in your rookie. You should not be leaving your rookie drafts without him. Yeah. Two other things to call out here, just really quick. Jelani Woods going at this point. Um, Big athletic tight end, older, doesn't really matter for tight ends. Landing in Indy, who's used them. Matt Ryan has produced multiple, multiple productive tight ends. Um, going all the way back to Tony Gonzalez's days in Atlanta. So it's just worth noting that if you're going to take a dart throw on somebody after McBride, Jelani Woods has got to do that. And props to this group for Tyquan Thornton going where Tyquan Thornton should go instead of way further up. That's where he should go. If he goes second round, then... You got a gift because somebody's falling. You guys have anything you else when you add the round three before we quickly breeze to round four? Oh, it's Green or not Green Bay, but New England just shows they still don't know how to draft a wide receiver. They Second did. round, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> right, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What about Danny? What do you guys think of Danny Gray? Do you guys see him as like the that Debo Samuel type of running back? You know, he's too small, isn't he? They're talking about using him in the backfield though. I mean, trying to get him fucking killed too. Yeah. Because apparently that's what they're going to go with. If that's the case. Spelling his fucking name. Six on. foot one ninety seven. I mean, he is definitely smaller than Debo Samuel. It's twenty five pounds lighter. Yeah, that's <laughs> that. That would be a mistake. That's more, got the speed though. That's more. Here's the, this is what annoys me too about a lot of the Debo Samuel comparisons or people looking for the next Debo is that you got to be, you got to have some beef to be that role otherwise you're just every other gadget receiver that's come through the league i wasn't saying it'd be like the debo samuel i was saying they're gonna try to use them like more of like those pitches and 
have him run to the outside. So he's Tavon Austin and yeah. Curtis Samuel. I don't want he's that. A bigger than that, he's six foot one ninety seven. Oh, I'm size. Yeah, it's bigger. But if his role is going to be eight manufactured touches a game, maybe, probably not. You're probably looking at three or four plays drawn out for him. And if that's the case, you're taking the ball out of, you know, Debo Samuel and uh, George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. I think Gray just feels like a, to me, it feels like a trap. But again, you're looking at, you know, it's third round, right? And I think you can't be mad at these picks too much. It's more Mecole Hardman than it is Debo Samuel to me. <laughs> Fucking Mecole Hardman. That's right, too. Yeah. And around for five yards. Oh, my God. All right. Round four. I'm not going to read off the names. No, and we don't even need to necessarily go pick by pick here if you don't want to. No, no, we're not going to go. We don't even need to talk about these. Is there anybody on this list that you guys are looking at, whether you picked them or not, that we feel like needs to be highlighted? I won't talk about Bill Milton because we've talked about him enough on previous shows. What about Hazan Haskins? I mean, that could be the uh, Michigan Wolverine in me because the way the way he runs, like the running style he has, is like the perfect like Titans type of running back style. No, that's exactly what I said. Also, it's not just you. Know? you. It's the perfect backup for the Titans. He's a big between the tackles guy that runs physical, um, in has some breakaway to it. It's the perfect backup for Derrick Henry. It's the perfect cough if one injury away struggles from yeah one it literally is yeah it's, <laughs> or is nobody else there to come back but yeah i mean that's exactly what it is and you know henry's got a lot of miles on the tires now i mean they were cautious with them initially at the beginning of his career but they've really ridden him the last couple of years and it's a bigger back coming off of a foot injury which you always kind of worry about i like hassan haskins a lot so i, I don't think it's just the wolverine in you it's a smart pick i mean like he's doesn't have the greatest profile. He's not super athletic at all. But when you have a, a guy who's he's not similarly-ish built to what Derrick Henry is, that can offer you that type of, uh, you know, a similar play style to him. Again, it's fourth round. This is, it's always good value to take a running back that's got opportunity when he's one injury away. <laughs> I like taking just I like Justin Ross going here. Good. Yeah. I'm going to say something about him. What is his ADP right now, Ryan? If you, if you got it pulled up, because I know Ross will not be a fourth round pick. No, he's been in rookie I, drafts. I, he's been moving up in the third. I think I've seen him as high as the three five. Which I think uh, it's I think where it's where his ceiling should go. I have no idea I, what I, happened. Give me one second. What you guys are talking about? I'll pull it up. He scares the fucking piss out of me. Just injuries or. Yeah, I mean, again, he's a Debbie Darling. The dude was absolutely incredible at 18 <laughs> years old playing with Trevor Lawrence and basically being the Debbie wide receiver one because of it. Like, he he single-handedly helped him win, you know, the championship game against Alabama. Um, it's neck injuries, back injuries, leg injuries. Like, the, the dude's a walking fucking hospital. He just... and He's good. He got over... Yeah, he's good, and that's what it is. You're getting a guy... Going to the Chiefs where there's a lot of opportunity. It's just he's a UDFA too. Like he, yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, it could, but and again, it's fourth round. I will not be mad about look, any fourth round pick if you make it. Yeah, look, I stuck with Alan Lazard. He was a UDFA and cut twice before he got on to be a useful piece. And well, at least Lazard did have a massive injury history too. And so, I, I, I still like Ross. It's like you, the pick's fine. 
it's his ADP is what scared me if he's going to keep moving keep up these rising. boards. So. No, I mean, into the third, fourth round, I'm, I'm good with that. And you pick him up and you stash him on your taxi squad knowing that there's opportunity there and the guy has alpha traits, right? He adjusted yeah. the ball well. Um, he seemed to get open without a problem, showed really good hands and moved around a bit. So, you know, athleticism, I must have been drunk when I read these notes because there's a billion typos. Athleticism <laughs> on film, you know, wasn't necessarily there. Not I agile, didn't have high top speed, but, you know, ultimately, what else are you going for here in the fourth round, right? So you might as well get a guy that landed on a team with opportunity that did show some alpha qualities if he sticks onto a team i'll be very happy because it's always been the medicals for him so if a team it, which is why i didn't think he got drafted I, I i i didn't think he he passed a lot of teams medicals so if he can stick with the chiefs i think he'll likely be practice squad but if he can stick onto the roster i'll be far more intrigued because then because then i think the chiefs will feel comfortable or whoever picks him up will feel comfortable with where he's at from a medical standpoint, because the talent's not, we're not denying the talent. It's just that this is a massive injury risk, but you're giving up nothing for it until he goes higher and higher in these straps. And he has, and like he, uh, he was a free agent for a while too, because yeah, he was not the one of the first to go. Because we ran 16 drafts and in single QB, he was only drafted 10 times and he started at 47. Yeah. And he got as high as 31. I think I saw him go late second in a QB league. And the, that that in itself, you're shooting for his absolute upside. That's him sticking onto a team and getting the starting role at some point this year. And that's just asking a lot from him. Well, if you look, if you, it's not just looking at that, too. It's looking at Sky Moore. So you look at Sky Moore and Justin Ross. As of right now, they're both the only projected wide receivers to be there next year. Because Miguel Harmon's contract's up after this year. Yep. They can get they can get out of Marcus Vell the scanless contract after this year. And so there's and Juju's only on a one year deal. So basically you only have And Sky Travis Kelsey is gonna be thirty four at the yeah. end of the year. So yeah, okay. Sky Moore who's for sure gonna be there. You know, does Justin Ross take that next step to show up as a wide receiver too on the team? And how dare you respect how dare you disrespect Josh Gordon? Who? Who? <laughs> Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. Tyler, you're about roster. to get some thoughts I, I, I on I haven't cared about him in eight years. Yeah, Tyler, why don't you wax a bit about Ross? Sorry. Well, I mean, I just, you know, he's you're in the third round, you're sh- third, fourth round, you're just shooting for, you know, the the upside. And and at least he's shown it. And obviously the medical concerns, what we've already said, it's just a big part of it. But that's kind of baked into that price at that 306 range. Just so he, you know, he showed it as, as a freshman there and he was, you know, his PFFs second highest rated wide receiver that year. So those Debbie Darlings, you know, it pops out again and getting yep. in this late, you know, just on a, yep. on a Kansas, maybe on a Kansas city team, maybe somewhere else. Uh, it's just a dart throw that, you know, could potentially pay off. Well, it, even being the, uh, like that top receiver, like with Trevor Lawrence too, like he had that, what was it? DJ. I don't even know how you say his last name. Ugalele. Yeah. He was like horrible quarterback, and he still led the team in the receptions. And now, yeah, yeah, only, yeah, only like sixty-four percent of his targets were even catchable from him. Yeah, <laughs> and now Yulele is in a QB competition, and might actually lose his starting job now. All Ross had to do is just stick on to a team. All right, I got, yeah. I, I got one more, and it's going to be Valus Jones because if you can get a day two wide receiver in round four, that's going to start 
with opportunity. Again, yeah, it's, it's opportunity, and it's the Bears though. fucking like him for whatever reason. Old as fuck doesn't matter. He's going to be in the field year one. Justin Fields loves him. It's not the Bears. It's Justin Fields that wants. Well, I'm sure, I mean, well, quarterbacks are historically bad talent evaluators. <laughs> I think we talked about this. At some point, so. Oh, he got it ridiculous. But he's going to get opportunity because the Bears have one of the worst receiving rooms in the NFL. Um, all, all I'm looking for is a chance to get out on him after he has a decent one game. game. I don't believe in him as a long-term guy, but you're looking at a starting wide receiver in round four, and he's going around those ranges in actual drafts. Like it's the reason why I'm okay with Tyquan Thornton in the late third because he's going to probably start. Is he going to be productive? Who the fuck knows? But at least he has an opportunity. And you're not getting him in the first round to kill Harry. Hopper, you being the resident Chicago Bear fan, do you see him more as the punt kick returner? Do you really see him being the wide receiver, the uh, number two receiver there? Right now, he's got to get as good of a chance of being the number two as ESP, right? So, I mean, there's not anybody there. So the opportunity is absolutely there. And I agree that you got to take the. The dart throw on him. He might return kicks too, but the Bears are just so void at wide receiver. And Darnell Mooney shouldn't be a one, but he's going to be a one again. That, you know, they're going to have to, somebody's got to get targets, right? They're not, the defense isn't good either. Someone's got to get targets. So mm-hmm. you might as well take the dart throw and the flyer on it, right? He's going to be on the field. And I, I, I'm, I don't doubt that. I mean, who's going to, Take that from him, Tajay Sharp. It's not going to be Brian Pringle. Yeah, not Byron Pringle. <laughs> not Tajay I mean, Sharp. Do... So, I mean, look, he doesn't have exactly a lot of competition to see the field in this. Also, very, very fast. You know, 4 3 1 40, 97th percentile speed score. He is your quote unquote number one outside receiver to help kind God, of take the top off of Mooney. What's that? God, I hate that he was a second rounder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 307, not a best, not a great pick, but Sorry. a pick that we third rounder. Still hate it. Indifference. Yeah. It was a terrible pick, but it was bad. Again, you know, day two receiver in the fourth round that should start or that is going to have more than enough chances to see the field if he's any good. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a slam dunk value pick, in my opinion. Pierre Strong is an explosive small school running back. I'll just throw that out there. You want to see people dominate competition at small school. That's that's what he did. He goes to the Patriots, so it's kind of a freaking crapshoot. But good profile, good player, bad landing spot. So yeah, Malik Willis in the fourth round, acceptable. One QB league. I know. Probably he, shouldn't he be should, drafted. He should, well, no, Willis and Pickett, I think, should be drafted in one QB leagues. Just late. Yeah, you don't this is where you take them, yeah. round four. All right, is anybody else, anybody else have anything to say about this draft, rounds one through four? Any thoughts? Ryan, are you doing a super flex one of these at some point? Uh, mock draft or, or just doing Mock draft. Yeah. Do what we did with this draft. Are we going to get one for maybe super flex or maybe you know down the road when we have Absolutely. a little more information on these guys? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah we'll do another one. He's going to go in again. I'm down for it. Awesome. Well, that's the show, guys. That's it. Ryan, Tyler, thank you for jumping on the show with Hopper and I. Hey. Hopper, thank you for letting me uh, piss off the you know uh, 
listeners' ears with my voice as much as you talk. So Sucks. maybe they'll be pounding the table for you next week. I doubt it, but uh, <laughs> I do have to do this because I can't let it happen. Ryan Tyler, one more time, tell the people where they can find yes. you, where they can find your Sorry. work. Yeah, always. You always give the guests a chance to pimp themselves. So I would have let them do that eventually. You can find me on Twitter at RyanMiner underscore FFB. You can find all my work at FFFaceoff.com. And we'll be doing more mock drafts per usual every day. Sleeper, find me, Ryan Miner, FFB on there too. I think I'm going to have to stop. I think that eventually if we have you on a third time within like a month, we're going to have to stop just letting you pimp things because at that point, everybody knows where to find you. <laughs> right? Like, like, yeah, Ryan, tell her to find us. You guys know where you can find me. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Coach T Posey on Twitter, and all my work is on the FF Faceoff as well. You can find me at uh, Beerfield Hop with two P's. Uh, all of my work is on YouTube, Beerfield Podcast, um, and Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, Beerfield Podcast. And uh, if I do decide to write something, which does happen once in a blue moon, uh, fffaceoff.com for that. And I am at Beerfield Theory. You can find all my work inside of my head because I don't write shit or talk shit too much outside of this well, show. He talks a lot of shit, but. Yeah, I talk a lot of <laughs> shit. And Hopper's already given the show a credential. So we're piecing the fuck out. You guys have a great night and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.